Hello and welcome. You are listening to the teaching ministry of Coastal Oaks Church in Rockport, Texas. It is our hope that you will be encouraged and that your desire to follow Jesus Christ will be challenged and strengthened as you listen to this podcast. For more information on location, service times, and what to expect on your next visit, go to coastaloakschurch.org. Now, grab your Bible and study along with us as you listen. So I'm, I'm excited about what God is doing over there in Thailand, and I want to share a little bit about that with you this morning. I'm not going to do our whole mission report, but one of the things that we prayed for before we went over there was that God would give us divine appointments. Divine appointments. Last year, I met a Chinese woman there, and she shared her story how she had been there seeking God. She had even gone to churches and sat in their sanctuary waiting for someone, waiting for God to speak, and God never presented himself to her. But a Korean student of hers was given a piece of Christian literature that she couldn't read. And she went to her Chinese teacher and said, here, maybe this book will help you. I don't know what it says. She gave it to that Chinese woman who had been seeking God. It was a book on how to know God. She opened her heart to Christ, and now she's a translator for that ministry over there. I think about how that was a divine appointment that that Korean student, she was Korean, wasn't she, hun? I think she was. That that one student gave that Christian literature to that Chinese lady. It was a divine appointment that that literature was passed out by some people from America who were on a volunteer mission trip. God ordained that that young Chinese woman who was seeking God, he ordained that that literature would get in the hands of that young lady and then to that one. We saw that happen this week, this last nine days in Thailand. And I want to share a little bit about how God made those divine appointments happen, but how he wants to do that in our lives today. Acts chapter 8, verse 26. As we read about one of the great divine appointments in Scripture, Philip and the Ethiopian. But an angel of the Lord spoke to Philip, saying, Get up and go south to the road that leads from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert road. So he got up and went. And there was an Ethiopian eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her treasure. And he had come to Jerusalem to worship. And as he was returning... And sitting in his chariot, and was reading the prophet Isaiah, the Spirit said to Philip, Go up and join this chariot. I love verse 29, or verse 30. Philip ran. I like that. God said, Go, Philip ran. Philip ran up and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and said, Do you understand what you're reading? And he said, Well, how could I unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Now, the passage of Scripture which he was reading was this. He was led as a sheep to slaughter, and as a lamb before its shear is silent, so he does not open his mouth. In humiliation, his judgment was taken away. Who will relate his generation? For his life is removed from the earth. The eunuch answered Philip and said, Please tell me, of whom does the prophet say this? Of himself or of someone else? Then Philip opened his mouth, and beginning from this scripture, the one that the eunuch was reading, beginning from this scripture, he preached Jesus to him. As they went along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, Look, water, what prevents me from being baptized? 
And Philip said, if you believe with all your heart, you may. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And he ordered the chariot to stop. And they both went down into the water, Philip as well as the eunuch, and he baptized him. When they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord snatched Philip away, and the eunuch uh, no longer saw him, but went on his way rejoicing. But Philip found himself at Azotus. As he passed through, he kept preaching the gospel to all the cities until he came to Caesarea. What a story. Some people would say, what a coincidence that this Ethiopian was reading from the book of of the prophets. What a coincidence that Philip happened to be there. I like the way the scripture points it out. It was no coincidence because the Spirit of God picked up Philip and said, here's where you're going. I'm taking you out of the context where you are, and I'm taking you to meet a person who's seeking you. Several points this morning that I want to highlight. Four things about divine appointments and how those play out in the life of Philip, played out in the life of Philip, and how they will play out in our life. Number one, the Holy Spirit lays the groundwork. The Holy Spirit lays the groundwork. God's Holy Spirit is laying the groundwork, the foundation, in the hearts of people today, just like he did for that Ethiopian eunuch. God is laying the groundwork in Thailand. God is laying the groundwork in Rockport. There are people who God is working with right now. We haven't even met some of them. God lays the groundwork. How does he do that? Letter A, he prepares the heart of the seeker. The groundwork is two-pronged. First of all, he prepares the heart of the seeker. Look with me at verse 27. There was an Ethiopian eunuch there, a court official of Candace, who was in charge of all her treasure, and he had come to Jerusalem to worship. And there's debate on whether this man was a Gentile or a Jew, why he was in Jerusalem. We know he was in Jerusalem to worship God. Whatever level of understanding he had, we're not sure. But most likely he was a Jewish man, Jewish background, who had gone to Jerusalem to worship, but couldn't be fully a part of the faith. And he knew enough to seek God. God was preparing his heart, preparing his heart so much that he'd been to worship and then he had the scroll and he was reading it. And as he read the scroll, he's, he's, con, he's confused about who Isaiah was talking about in the scroll. God prepares the heart of the seeker. William Treadwell said, if we convince people that we are onto something that's full of joy, they'll stampede one another to follow us. I like that. There are people out there that are looking for answers. And if we can convince them by our lifestyle, by our heart, by our expression, they're going to they're beat down the doors to get in this place. I like that. God preparing their hearts. Hudson Taylor, one of the first missionaries to go overseas, went to Ningpo, China back in the 1800s. He led a man named Mr. Nye to Christ, one of his first converts. Mr. Nye said this, As he got passionate about sharing his faith with his fellow Chinese, he asked Hudson Taylor one day, how long have you had the good news in England? And Hudson Taylor said, for centuries, Mr. Nye said, my father died seeking the truth. Why didn't you come sooner? See, God is at work preparing the hearts of people. They're just looking for someone to give them the answer. We get it all wrong sometimes. We think, I've got to convince people that they need Jesus. Folks, they don't need convincing from us. God's Holy Spirit is preparing their hearts. So I said it's two-pronged. He lays the groundwork by preparing the heart of the person to have a hunger for God. Secondly, he prompts the witness to share. 
Preparing the heart of the seeker. Prompting the witness to share. Verse 26. An angel of the Lord spoke to Philip saying, get up and go. That's the way God does it. He speaks to the hearts of believers and says, get up and go. Instead of just sit there and think about it, he says, get up and go. Working there. Verse 29. The Spirit says again to Philip, go up and join that man in his chariot. The Spirit of God preparing the person to hear and prompting the witness to go. How many times has God prompted you to share your testimony, to share your faith, to encourage another person in the faith, and you just didn't do anything about it? If you're like me, there are many regrets. Times when God prompted you and you could have seized the opportunity, but for whatever reason, distracted, focused on something else in a hurry, or maybe even just out of fear, you didn't share. When God prompts, you need to understand this. He's already working in the heart of the person he prompts you to talk to. Can you see that? If God is stirring you as a follower of Christ to talk to someone about Jesus Christ, it means God's already been preparing their heart. It means God's already at work there, just like he was in that that young Chinese lady. And he's prompting people to go and to share. Ken Taylor tells of a missionary friend who was in one of those countries where it's restricted access to missionaries. He shared Christ for a while with a professional and well-educated man in the country. The man finally said enough. He said, what you've told me cannot be true. If it were true, someone would have told me before this. See, here's a man seeking When finally somebody comes to share, he says, you know what? If what you believe really is true, I would have already heard about it. Why? Because God's been stirring that person's heart. And he's been prompting people to witness, but we don't respond in obedience. Have you been prompted? Listen, if you're not prompted, something's wrong. If you're not prompted to take your faith and get it outside of your own sphere of influence, something's wrong in your Christian life. Because God left you here for one reason. Well, many, but I'll just talk about the key reason. He left you here to make a difference in other people's lives, to share Christ with them, to pass it on. God's laid the groundwork. He's preparing their hearts. He's prompting you. Number two, the willing witness goes. God lays the groundwork. The willing witness goes. You might want to underline that word willing. The willing witness goes. I love that. The Spirit said go, and Philip ran. Some of us, God says go, and we do like Jonah. We go the other way. What did God say? Get up and go to Nineveh, and Jonah got up and went the other way. Got a ship going the opposite way. When God prompts, when we are willing and obedient, we respond in obedience. See, there are out there countless millions who are seeking God. And all God wants to do is take a willing witness and let them come together to share the gospel with them. And it breaks my heart to know that many are seeking and not many are responding. The willing witness goes. Here's what we have to do. Letter A, he calls us to leave our comfort zone. Calls us to leave our comfort zone. We didn't read this, but back in the first parts of chapter 8, chapter 7, there's a revival taking place in Samaria. Philip's the preacher. People are being saved. People are being baptized. Lives are being changed. They're celebrating. They're singing victory in Jesus. Hallelujah. Anyhow, every day. 
It's fantastic where Philip is. And God says to Philip, I want you to leave the crowd and go to this one. Philip, I want you to get out of your comfort zone. I want you to go somewhere where it's going to be difficult. Where you're not going to have the acclaim of all these people. It it, it is one of those places that I'm going to use you, Philip. Verse 29. The Spirit said to Philip, go join his chariot. God got him there. And then he says to him, go interrupt this official of the court of Ethiopia. You go interrupt him in what he's doing. And you approach him. That took some courage. But he willingly went. He left his comfort zone. Jerry Cook said, if we're going to try to take Christ to people, we're going to have to enter their lives. See, it's more than just knocking on a door and handing a track. When I was a brand new Christian, that's what we did. Knock on the door, hand him a track, and run. Or knock on the door, hope no one answers. Because you're afraid they might ask you something you can't answer. It's more than just saying, here I am. It's a willingness to say, here I am, I'm ready to enter your life. I'm going to leave my comfort zone. Tell you what, this last week in Thailand, we left our comfort zone. Different culture, different food. Different time zone. Oh my goodness. I'm still, it's still midnight in my body. It's telling me I'm supposed to go to bed right now. Pray for me, okay? <laughs> They're 12 hours ahead of us, so, and I'm, I'm still trying to catch up. We left, we left our, a time zone that was familiar to us. We left a language that was familiar. It was different. It is tough. But you know what? We did it because we willingly responded to God's call to go. To leave our comfort zone. One of the days while we were there, we were told we were going to go visit the jail in town. So uh, I had no idea what to expect. We went to the jail and it was something like right out of a Western novel. Bars and people standing behind the bars. One jail cell had 15, 20 people in it. Uh, probably like a 12 by 12 cell. And I just... Didn't know the language, but I went with my water and peanut butter sandwich. Passing sandwiches through the bars. It was something. And they're reaching out there, being very polite. And this one cell is full of uh, Thai men. And they're all dark-skinned, and I don't speak their language. But standing in the back of the cell is a man, and he's just looking at me. Looking through me. And I thought, okay, I'm going to have to talk to this guy. And so I said... And he was, I kind of reached out there to hand him a sandwich. He went like this and he stood there looking at me. And I said, do you speak English? And he started walking through all these guys, stepping over him. And he came up to me and he stood this far from me. And I was out of my comfort zone. Let me tell you. And I listened to that man. I'll share more with you when we give our report. I heard his story that day and I got to share Christ with him that day. It was not comfortable. It was difficult. I held him, held his hand, and I prayed with him. See, God calls us to do that, to enter into the lives of other people. And I tell you what, Kevin wasn't crazy about doing that. Okay? I'm thinking, okay, where's the Germex? When I get out of here, I've got to wash my hands. You know, all that stuff that goes through your brain. And God is saying, just be available. Get out of your comfort zone. I'll share more about that guy later. Secondly, when the willing witness goes, we not only leave our comfort zone, we lean on the Lord. Lean on the Lord. 
Philip goes into this situation, approaching the chariot, ready to answer whatever questions the man has, following up on the prompting of God. That's what you have to do. You just have to go, okay, God, I don't know what I'm going to say, but I'm leaning on you. When I walked up those steps to that jail cell, and I heard all those voices in there speaking Thai and other languages, I didn't recognize any of them. And I said, God, I'm leaning on you. Isn't it interesting that God gave me someone who spoke English that I could talk to? Just, you just lean on him. You just say, God, I'm giving you the details of this trip. I'm giving you the details of this encounter. Use me however you want to. Now, let me just ask you this. If you're available and you're willing and you're open, do you think God's going to let you mess up? God wants more than you want for that encounter to be something that brings him glory. And I can tell you that I talked to people this week. The whole team did. They did not understand a thing we said, and we didn't understand a thing they said. But somehow we were able to communicate that Jesus loves you. It's crazy. We learned to say hello in Chinese, ni hao. And when you say ni hao, they think you know Chinese. And they start talking back at you. So I learned, I just kind of be quiet. But you leave it with God. You say, God, here I am. I'm just going to present it to you, and you're going to use me. Lean on the Lord. That's what Philip did. That's what we did. That's what we're to do. You don't have to have all the answers. You know, Philip could have said in verse 34, when the the Ethiopian eunuch says, please tell me of whom is the prophet say this of himself or someone else. Philip could have said, you know what? I don't know. But I do know this. Jesus has changed my life. I'll get that answer about whoever Isaiah was talking about someday. But right now, let me just tell you my story. That's what you have to do sometime. You have to say, I don't know the answer to your question, but we'll find it for you. But in the meantime, let's talk about Jesus. Number three, the message is given. God lays the groundwork. The willing witness goes. The message is given. Letter A, start where the person is. That may not be good grammar, but it works for me. Start where they are. Start where the person is. Do they speak another language? Try to get to them where you can use sign language. The person doesn't understand all the theology. Start with the basics. The person doesn't understand what we believe. Love on them. Have a pumpkin patch where they get to walk on the church property and find out that we're not a bunch of weird people. Well, some of us are, but... (laughs) Just let them rub shoulders. Start where they are. My son's involved in a skate church ministry in his church in Euless. He just starts where those guys are. Skateboards and bicycles. That's where they are. That's where they live. Share the gospel with them right where they are. Met another man this week when we were there. Another man from another nation who spoke a language that I could understand. And we started with an English Bible and just gave it to him and said, Here, start in the book of John. Start reading right there. We just started where the guy was. He was looking for a Bible, and we met him at his point of need. That's what we do. Start where they are. Don't expect them to know everything, to understand everything. Just love on them. Letter B, when we share the message, we start where they are, but Scripture is preeminent. Scripture is preeminent. Verse 35, Philip opened his mouth, and beginning from this Scripture, he preached Jesus to him. Scripture is preeminent. When you share the gospel, use the Word of God. That's why you need to memorize a few verses. John 3.16, that's a good one. Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Just, just memorize enough to share Scripture. And if you have to, paraphrase it. I don't know the verse, and I don't know the chapter, and I don't know the book, but somewhere the Bible says this. 
that we're a sinner. That's truth. That's a paraphrase, but that's truth. Use Scripture. Point them to the Word of God. The Bible says faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. Make Scripture preeminent as you share Christ. I'm going to move on. Let her see. The Savior is proclaimed. The Savior is proclaimed. He started with Scripture and preached to Him Jesus. Don't talk about our church. Don't talk about our denomination. Or as one kid said, our abomination. Kid said, I can't go to church where you go because my mom says we belong to another abomination. Don't talk about that stuff. Don't talk about politics. Focus on Jesus. That's where the real need is. That's the gospel. We talked in our connection class this morning. What is the gospel? The good news that Jesus came, that he died, that he was buried, that he rose again. Go to the heart of the message that Jesus gave his life for that person. Proclaim the Savior. Don't get distracted. We met a man there who was a refugee from Iraq. He was in, it's crazy. You go to Thailand and meet an Iraqi from Holland. It was, it was crazy, but he, that happens a lot. And as, as he was sharing with us, it was obvious that he wanted to debate. His first question was, tell me the difference between Catholicism and Protestantism. Tell me. I need someone to tell me. So I tried to tell him, no, no, I don't want to know what you think. I want you to tell me. And it was crazy. It was, it was, it was impossible. He just wanted to debate. So what did we do? We tried to take him to Jesus. I don't know about that, and I don't know about that, this is, but I do know this. And as soon as we took him to Jesus, he wanted to talk about our foreign policy in Iraq. What did we do? He said, you know, I really don't know about all that, but I do know this. Jesus loves you. You have to get back to the Savior. Number four, Lord willing, the seeker grabs hold of the truth. Now, can I just give a little parenthesis here? Your success does not depend on them grabbing hold of the truth or not. Successful sharing the gospel is sharing the gospel. See, the results are up to God. The results are up to that person. If Philip had gone there and said to the man, this is what it's all about, it's about Jesus, and he said, I don't want that, Philip still would have been obedient, still would have been a success. So don't get in your brain that you have to lead a person to a decision to be a success. To be a success in the kingdom is just to be willing to share. But in this situation, God brings it all the way to fruition. And this Ethiopian grabs hold of the truth. Letter A, he decides to trust Christ through genuine faith. He decides to trust Christ through genuine faith. Verse 37 Philip said, if you believe with all your heart, you may. And he answered, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Now, your translation may not have verse 37. This translation has it in brackets because it was not in the best manuscripts. It was, it was uh, in the, earlier, the later manuscripts. And scholars, some scholars believe that verse 37 was added by a scribe to try to explain why the eunuch was willing to trust Christ. I don't understand all that. I do know this. The truth is that he understood it because when he said, I want to be baptized, he followed in obedience. He received Christ. He decides to trust Christ. The Bible says in John chapter 1, as many as received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. It is, a, it is an, uh, an act of the will expressing 
Salvation, receiving Christ as Savior. That's what he did. He decides to trust Christ. Placing his faith in Christ, in Christ alone. Tell you what, when you're on the, I call it the front lines over there, in a culture of Buddhism, in a culture of atheism, when you're on the though when you're in that area, it, it all gets down to the to the the bottom line. And the bottom line is none of that stuff is gonna matter. Where does Jesus fit into your life? I was so refreshing to be able to share Christ with people who it, it came down to that. So many times we share Christ here and they want to just add him to the rest of their lifestyle. It was either Christ or nothing over there. This man grabbed hold of the truth and he understood that's what I need. Because he says to him, in verse 36, what prevents me from being baptized? He had he got the truth. He wanted to follow through. He wanted to demonstrate his salvation, which is letter B. He demonstrates his faith through baptism. Now, if you've trusted Christ as your Savior and you've never been baptized... I encourage you to take that first step of obedience. Because that's the first place we demonstrate our faith. But more than that, I want to say this. The principle here is, when you have trusted Christ, you will want to demonstrate your faith to others. It'll be the natural desire of your heart to let someone else know that Jesus has changed your life. We met a Thai woman in the jail in the waiting room. And several of the ladies there began to pray for her. And Kelly was praying for her, didn't even know what the need was. And we found out her husband was in jail. And, and uh, she was trying to get him out of jail. And it's just a long story. But one of her needs was financially to, to, to have some help to get her husband out. And I watched the team one by one as they went to hug her and tell her goodbye. They were praying for her, slip her money. Nobody said, let's take up an offering for this young lady. This is organized. It just People just went to love on her and they handed her money. And I thought, there's an expression of a life devoted to Christ. It's what you do. You demonstrate it. You don't just say, oh, I'll pray for you. You give. When you know Christ, you'll demonstrate it. There'll be a difference in your life that people can see. If there is no difference in your life that people can see, you need to check your experience. And say, have I really trusted him? Have I really and truly come into a relationship with God through Christ? If there's no change in my life, if there's no evidence of a walk with him. Divine appointments. The Holy Spirit lays the groundwork. The willing witness goes. The message is given. And Lord willing, the seeker will grab hold of the truth. How are we doing at responding to those divine appointments? Roy Edgman tells a story while he was in Okinawa, Japan, had a, a Bible teaching radio program. And at the end of his program, he would invite people to call in and ask questions. And he got a phone call from a man who said, I'm a Vietnam vet and I need to meet with you. So he arranged the next day to meet with him. He, he went to the man and found the man uh, was a decorated veteran. Began to tell, the man began to tell him his story, how he had, was the only man in his unit to come out alive. He had a broken arm and a broken leg and a broken back. And he said, at this one experience, he, it was all over for him. He thought, he said, he was laying on his back looking up at the stars, about to die. And this is what he said. He told Edgman this. He said, I looked up at the sky and said, God, I am about to decide whether to try to hang on 
or to die, would you just let me know if you exist? And this Vietnam veteran said, he heard God speak to his heart, not in a voice, but he just sensed God say to him, I'm God, I care for you, I'm going to spare your life, you're going to find me. I don't know how many years later it was that he heard the radio program that he called Roy Edgman, but he said this. He said, when I heard your radio program, listening to you on the radio, I said, this is the man who's going to show me how to meet the God who spoke to me when I was flat on my back in Vietnam. And Edgman said, he shared Christ with him. The man opened his heart to Christ and he was saved and his family was saved. See, there's a, there's a seeker saying, God, if you're out there, let me know. And then God moving through a radio program to bring a believer in to share, this is the God who's there. Folks, all over this world, people are crying out, God, if you're up there, let me know. All over this world. Can I bring it home? All over this city, people are crying out, God, if you're there, let me know it. We have countless opportunities to have divine appointments with people and you don't have to go to Thailand and you don't have to go overseas. We're surrounded by folks who are crying out. Now, will you be the willing witness who says, yes, I'll go. I'll share. I'll be Jesus in their life. That's my prayer. Pray together.